0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. It may be the most wonderful time of the year, but this show still sucks. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Woo! Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, Uh, coming to you on a cold, cold Tuesday. Yeah, it's finally really cold here in North Carolina, almost down to freezing. Uh, Anyway, on this week's show in pipe parts, well, I've got two really good listener questions that I'm going to take time and answer there. And then uh, my guest this week is uh, pipe maker Chris Morgan, who uh, you got to go all the way back to episode 35, the first time he was on. and Why have things changed for him in the last 10 years? Uh, the only thing that seems to change for me is my chest has fallen and my hairline's gotten bigger. Uh, but anyway, and then we have a double dose of holiday music, a big mailbag to get caught up on, and a rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And I am uh, nice and uh, tanned and rested because I was on a, uh, I was down in the Caribbean for eight days and enjoying that. And it just reminded me of, uh, you know, all those pictures of the sailor, you know, at the helm of his ship and the wind's blowing and the sails are puffed out and he's puffing on his pipe. Boy, is it hard to light a pipe in the wind. Uh, Almost, I almost broke down at one of the ports and bought a, uh, and bought a Zippo. Uh, but, uh, the cruise ship wouldn't let me back on with the fluid. So I knew that wasn't going to happen, but yeah, it's just, it's just hard to keep a pipe lit while you're out there. Um, you know, gusting away in 20 mile an hour winds. So tucking into a corner to get the pipe lit or in this case, uh, you know, heading into the cigar lounge. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was obviously the best place cause it was indoors, but there you go. All right. So fake, fake artwork, I think all right let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you all for tuning in and here we go
1: take a look at your pipe rack are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation or are there some that you gravitate to more than others are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then, we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345.
2: There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Mearsham corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
0: And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, two really good questions from from newer pipe smokers. And this one, uh, the first one comes from Jim, the uh, pipe rookie. And Jim writes... Uh, This is old old blends versus new blends. He writes, Brian, in your expert opinion, at what point did blends begin to improve and what factors led to an improvement? It seems long ago, not a lot of blends were available in the general smoking community. The few that I've sampled are simply putrid. Granted, my experience is limited, though advancing incrementally. I'm discovering contemporary blends that are so enjoyable and flavorful, I've lost the the desire to sample really old blends. Is this just an example of personal taste or have blends truly improved? Well, I'll give you my uh, two cents uh, for what it's worth. Uh, First of all, it is your personal taste and your personal taste is always right. If a blend just doesn't work for you, it's not that it's bad. It's that it just doesn't work for you. So that's very simple and straightforward. Uh, Remember, the goal of pipe smoking is to find the magical combination of the pipes and the tobaccos that work for you and make your time with the pipe enjoyable. And that can be, you know, different sizes, shapes of pipes, different tobaccos that work with different pipes. So it's a, it's a myriad of combinations and it's a, uh, you know, for some of us, it's a, a never ending, a never ending search. Now this got me thinking, and I'm going to do a whole episode on this coming up with some of the, uh, with some of my expert older friends, because I think, I think by the 1980s, you basically had Dunhill, Sobrani, you had some of the McConnell stuff coming from England. You had a lot of tobaccos being made in England and a few more, uh, you know aromatic things coming from Denmark and then the US product. And then the market declined and declined and those went away. I think the bellwether moment for what Jim is experiencing, was in the 90s when you had McClellan begin. And then shortly after that, Cornell and Deal. And then you've got people like Greg Pease who looked at this as an artisanal blending product and saw, you know, they obviously saw gaps in the market where like Balkan Sobrani was disappearing and Dunhill was, Dunhill had gone through some changes in the early 2000s. Well, now you go from uh, tobaccos that were meant to be mass distributed, and maybe uh, even if you looked at the if you looked at the Sabrani or even the Dunhill catalog of tin tobaccos from the 80s and 90s, you might see seven or eight, maybe 12 different options that were available. Then you go to a Cornell and Deal and a McClellan who had a couple hundred. And that's where you start to see the change. You start to see people like Greg Pease who are uh, micro blending specific tobaccos and really understanding the nuances and really trying to hit one specific niche of a market, not a general appeal. So that's why I think, you know, yeah, you know, you hear the old guys say, hey, everything was better 30 years ago, blah, 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 uh, you know. Well, I think we've also got some really good blends out there now that are uh, really appealing to a lot of people and are very uh, niche in their presentation. All right. Hope that answers that. And then this email comes from Greg. Uh, He says, hi, Brian. I emailed you almost a year ago about growing tobacco in the industry. Don't worry. I got your response. Thank you again. Needless to say, I've decided to pursue other avenues. All that aside, I have another question that only a sage like yourself or your cohort of seasoned pipers can answer. I purchased a Costello Sea Rock fifty five from tabac- from t- Corti Tabacaria Torki Corti there we go last Christmas, as I had heard anecdotally about their ability to smoke vapors exceptionally well. In my haste, I didn't realize that it had a rather large bowl, one inch diameter, which I generally tend to avoid for such blends. Nevertheless, I persisted in trying to put a square peg in a round hole and failed. So I tried a few other blends, Dark Fired, Regular Burley, and Finally English, and found that each blend resulted in the same smoking experience, give or take. It's hard to describe exactly, but provides a strange taste upon smoking. I want to say it tastes sour, but that doesn't quite nail it. I can taste the tobacco just fine, but it's, the air around has a sour aftertaste. The bowl came uncoated, if I remember correctly, so I ruled that out. Furthermore, I'm confident that it's not an issue with cadence, as I've tested that as well. The draft hole is larger than my other pipes and provides smoke more readily, so that could contribute to the, the problem too. So herein lies my question. Is this simply a matter of breaking in the pipe further? Could it be the draft hole or is it simply bad luck? Thank you in advance for hearing my rather drawn out plea for assistance. I look forward to your podcast every week. Hope all is well and happy holidays. Sincerely, Greg E. Uh, Greg, thank you. All right. So here's my thoughts. Um, One, make sure that the, uh, make sure that inside and outside of the stem is cleaned really well. Make sure that you pull the stem out, and you've cleaned inside the mortise hole and the back of the and the back of the stem that butts up against the uh, shank. Sometimes uh, pipe factories will leave wax on the stem, or wax will get inside the stem, and that can contribute to that. Uh, make sure the draft hole is really clean and clear. Uh, try the salt treatment to the pipe. If uh, if cleaning out everything doesn't work, just try that salt treatment. Uh, also, you can try the uh, you know you can try the dry co- or the wet coffee grinds, unflavored coffee grinds treatment to try to eradicate that uh, that taste that you're getting. Uh, the other thing that I might try doing is in five minute intervals, the same way I break in a pipe. Uh, in five minute intervals, smoke that pipe as hot as you can get it, smoke it as hot as you can get it for five minutes and then set it down for 20 or 30 minutes, tamp, come back, light it up, smoke it as hot as you can for five more minutes. Cause maybe there's something in there that needs to burn out and you want to do that five minutes and then off for 20 or 30 minutes all the way down the bowl. Uh, so try those. If those don't work for you, then it could be that, you know, you just have a pipe that isn't working for you and it will magically work for somebody else. Maybe it is the bowl dimensions that are, uh, that are a little too wide. Maybe it is the, uh, you know, whatever it is about the, the processing of that one pipe that something is just not clicking with you. And that's why uh, I think you'll hear Rich and I talk about it in an upcoming episode, uh, where you know we're we're constantly moving through pipes trying to find those that magically work for us and trying to um, cull and curate a collection of perfect smokers or magic smokes. So try that. Let me know what happens. Uh, thanks for the email. Happy holidays to you. And uh, you know, two really good questions. And I really got to say, I've really enjoyed in the past year or two. Uh, the new folks that have joined in on the podcast and answering their questions. I've got a few people that I answer questions for without putting it on the show. And it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's invigorating to hear all you new folks. So, all right. In uh, just a moment, my discussion with Chris Morgan. This is internet
3: radio.
2: Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark.
0: We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us is a voice from the past. And when I mean the past, I mean all the way back to episode whatever it was, 35. So May of 2013, Uh, he's a uh, pipe maker, pipe importer. I don't know, Chris, you're involved in all kinds of other things. Plus you do a podcast. So Chris Morgan, welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show.
3: Thanks for having me back, man.
0: Yeah, I guess it took me ten years to get over it, but I'm ready to get traumatized again. So, um, what's new?
3: <laughs> oh man, a lot of stuff. A lot of yeah. stuff has changed in ten years. It's, it's it's weird to think about that, though. I mean, what am I pipe making since two thousand six?
0: Yeah, you're still uh, around. Wow. <laughs> I'm
3: I'm still here. I still haven't you know started uh, you know having to flip burgers or drive Uber or anything like that. I'm still in the game.
0: Well, wait, you do have kids, so you're basically an unpaid Uber driver.
3: This, this is true. And chef and uh, diaper changer.
0: Yeah, so that, so that's different because you didn't have them 10 years ago.
3: That's true, yep. Yeah, I've got uh, two girls, and um, we spaced them out so strategically that my life has been constantly exhausting for five years now. So <laughs> we nailed it.
0: perfect uh you also didn't i i don't think you had the uh the bones pipeline back then
3: i didn't the 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 bones thing was sort of a twinkle in my eye at that point uh i think the next thing we mentioned the briar cigar and then uh blackjack came out shortly after that episode i want to say it was either 2013 2014 um and then after after that uh during a just a chance conversation with a, a real good friend of mine who's now past, uh, Christopher Chopin, who was Flaticus um on all the socials, uh, we started dreaming up bones. All
0: right, so talk to us about blackjack. What was it? What is it? Is is it a was or is it an is?
3: No, it's an is, it's just, it's sort of a little slow going right now because of, um, the size of Briar needed. There's, there's a bit of a shortage due to a variety of reasons, um, over in Italy and sourcing is a little tricky for very specific shapes. Uh. Um, and some of the blackjacks tend to be larger pipes, some of the newer ones. So that's kind of been on hold a little bit. It is coming back. It's still there. But uh, Blackjack was essentially, you know, your midline, you know, middle of the road factory pipe sort of thing just to compete at, you know, the 100 to $150 mark. Um, and it was awesome. I mean, it was the first launch, the first two launches sold out completely in like a day. And then uh, it's just, I mean, I think I did 30. 32 shapes in wow. that line.
0: 32 shapes.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it did very, very well. It was, it was quite the, uh, the... And we did special stuff, too. You know, there, were, uh, there was like a Christmas, a couple of Christmas pipes in there, and there was some other stuff. So someday, when I have time, and I'm speaking to everyone who's been on my back about it, I will catalog everything. But we're talking... <laughs> Just with bones alone, we're talking 400 shapes. So it's been bonkers trying to get this all, you know, wrangled in.
0: (laughs) So what you're saying is when you, uh, we got a better chance of one of your daughters actually doing the cataloging and of all that than actually having you do it.
3: Probably in about 10 years. Yeah. I'll be back on the show telling you guys that there's a catalog now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Boy, you have high hopes for this show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's talk about um, the introduction of the of the bones pipe and and all that cuz that that's kind of I mean that was a little bit revolutionary and you kind of disrupted a little bit of an industry. <laughs>
3: I think it wasn't my intention to do that. It was, um, you know, during this conversation with Chris, we were, we were sitting, you know, he's in, he was in Florida and I was here and we were chatting back and forth as we did every day. And he was a huge fan of the whole Wally Frank system. You know, every catalog would come out and there'd be all kinds of really interesting things. You know, it wasn't just yeah. like, here's all the pipes we have, come buy some pipes. It always had like interesting stuff. You know, oh, that's a really weird shape. Where'd that come from? Or, you know, yeah. some tool or something. Um, and he said, you know, what if you, what if you did something like that? You know, you've got your blackjacks, but just don't finish them. I'm like, okay, <laughs> but I mean, how much money could I knock off? He's like, well, that's the point. Like, think like, how could you get the price down? I'm thinking my factory's in Italy. I know that there's tons of seconds because for the blackjack line, I'm only expe- ex- accepting like a quality stuff finish wise. And, uh, I did a virtual tour one day of the factory in Varese. And they took me down in the basement, you know, on the camera and everything, and they're on the phone and they were showing all the stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, it's a gold mine. This place is filled with probably a hundred years worth of pipes that just got stored in barrels. I mean, it was like like Indiana Jones. It was just absolutely nuts. And I'm like, what's in that box? And they open the lid, and there's like a weird. Uh, I mean, they, apparently they got hit real heavy, heavy in the uh, '70s and the '60s because there was like a golf. It was like I, I'm assuming it was like a bat and ball shape, but it was dunked in in like glitter. <laughs> I'm like, did you guys actually sell these? And they're like, yeah. I mean, we, for a little bit. I mean, the owner's he's a he's a he's not old, but he's you know he's an older gentleman, so he you know he's been there for a long time. A lot of this stuff was taken over from uh, from various factories when they consolidated and they left. So a bunch of stuff left, you know, was left down there. And um, so I said, you know, give me give me a couple boxes. Let me see what I can do with them. You know, if it's something that I'd be interested in. They have pits. They have flaws. They don't have fills though, and that was a big thing for me. I hate fills, especially like the cheap fills where they just smack that. You know pink putty in there and they're like, yeah, it looks great. Let's sell it. Um, I always (laughs) had a hard time with that on basket pipes.
0: I've got a a Walt Disney World pipe where the Walt Disney World portion is stamped through the pink putty.
3: Yeah, I'll bet. I mean, it it just, they they didn't care back then. It was, it was, it was a tool, right? Yeah. So um, I just, it's always been, I've had a hard time with that. So I just said, Hey, you know, send me, you know, the first batch I want to say was like 600 pipes. They were finished up. They had the laser engraved bones logo. They had pits and flaws, and there were a variety of shapes. And I sold them as a grab bag. So you order one bones pipe for 39 bucks, and you would get one bones pipe. I picked the shape. And no joke, those pipes were gone in about four days. <laughs> and I was just sitting there like, oh, my God, this is – is, it kind of freaked me out because I'm not used to that. I mean, I've been doing handmade pipes for a long time. I would sell a handmade pipe and the next week, maybe I'd sell two. And that's how my life worked before. <laughs> With Blackjack, you would sell, you know, maybe five pipes in a week. But this is like 600 pipes in four days. You're like, what am I going to do? But like, how do I ship this? You know? Um, and so we just went on from there. And over time, people were like, hey, can I pick if it's bent or straight? And I'm like, okay, fine. And then they're like, can I pick if it's like a billiard or a bull log? I'm like, fine. And then it got to the point now where every shape is photographed next to a uh, one and a half inch tall silver eagle round. And that way you can kind of see the perspective. Um, it would be impossible to catalog all the, all the sizes and the measurements and the weights, all these. So that's just one of the things you have to you know deal with for getting a, an inexpensive pipe. And uh, everyone's happy. My factory's happy. All the surrounding factories are happy because we we suck up all their seconds um, when they're available. And um, it's (laughs) just, just a great business model. And it's a very reasonably margined product for wholesale also. So my retailers are pretty stoked about it too.
0: So basically what you're saying is the business plan for the Bones was, I've got pipes, I'll figure it out as I go.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally seed my pants. Like, yeah. I didn't know what I was going to – because I, I literally – like, in the past um, – and it's hard to think about now, but, like, we're probably closing in on maybe 60,000, seven, maybe 70,000 bones pipes in, like, the past, like, seven years. Wow. And I mean, does- it's it's a – freaky
0: amount so just so that people know but the i mean the factory does it these are yeah the bowls are unfinished and the bowls are you know would need fills and would need little doodads done to them but the, the stem work is a little bit above the normal and you make sure that the that the fitments are correct right
3: Correct. So the and they do it in metric, but it actually happens to line up at five sixteenths tenons. It, ha, it it lines up really nicely. Um, so you can drill a five sixteenths hole, and these stems will fit in. It'll be a little bit tight, but it's very close to the same measurement. Um, so all the tenons, I shouldn't say all. I would say like ninety eight percent of the tenons, unless they're really tiny pipes, um, have all the same Delrin tenons. That was something that I really wanted was Delrin. It's a little more durable. Yeah. Um, the briar is lightly waxed. Uh, they're usually tumble blasted. So you just get a sandblast. Some of them come out looking I guess say will and I'll show it at some point I've showed it before, but I have a bones pipe that was tumble blasted and I swear to God, it looks like a JT cook.
0: <laughs> like yeah.
3: it's so deep and I don't know how they did it, <laughs> but that's in my private collection. Um, but yeah, it's just regular black acrylic stem. They're durable. Um, they, you know, most people don't really scoff at the price. They've, I, I will say this, Brian, this was kind of an interesting uh, interaction. I had a while back. Um, I had a customer that had a complaint he said, why aren't there, you know, why aren't all the bones 39 bucks anymore? I said, well, I launched them seven years ago and I kept them at 39 bucks for six years. <laughs> Meanwhile, all the costs everywhere. I mean, you buy a hamburger where I live now and it's like 16 bucks. Like everything is going up and this is pre 2020, right? Yeah. Um, Everything just gets more expensive over time. So I bumped it. I bumped it to, they're about 45 bucks a piece. Some of them are 49 if they're a complicated shape or a big pipe or something really cool. But there's always a couple $39 pipes that are subsidized by the other guys. And then that way, I'm still holding true to the original 39 bucks. Um, and it seems to be, everyone's pretty happy with it. So.
0: All right. We're going to do something that you don't do on your podcast. We're going to take a break right here. We come back. We'll have more with Chris. So stay with us. We'll be back in
2: just a minute. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each 10. Each product from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey.
0: you're back on the pipes magazine radio show visiting with chris morgan of morgan bones the briar cigar morgan pipes all that other stuff all right chris here's my question because i'm looking at i'm thinking all right you're shipping thousands of these bones pipes um did that interrupt the handmade production for you and you know how how'd you how'd you time manage that
3: uh, that was very difficult actually <laughs> um, when, when people don't realize that it's it's like another separate job to do just the shipping on it yeah. um, it's it's not as easy as just making the sale because you get another maybe if you have a bad system which I used to have, it's maybe another three minutes per pipe to ship it. If you have a good system you can do it in about thirty seconds to a minute and when you're when you're doing five pipes, that's not a big deal. But when you, let's say you run a sale and you have 300 orders, that's like an extra day of just shipping. So I had to manage that. And at, at a certain point, and I'm not saying I was shipping like this every day, but at a certain point, I just had to slow down on the handmade pipes. Um, <clears throat> I think it was maybe 2017, 2018. I kind of started slowing down with handmade pipes and focused solely on you know running the website and the marketing and And getting retailers going. Um, And then after a while, I kind of honestly just didn't want to make pipes for a bit. I I got, I don't want to say I was burnt out, but I was just kind of like, I needed some new inspiration. So I started, Mm -hmm. uh, I I needed some new inspiration and I also needed a very serious tax uh, (laughs) write-off, 2019, 2020. So I bought myself a professional blacksmithing set up like everything (laughs) (laughs) because
0: you needed another job
3: exactly so i did that um i ran through some courses i had a good friend of mine a couple friends of mine who are professional blacksmiths one of them is uh one of the top guys i forget the name of it but it's basically where you take a plate of copper and you hammer out a 3d design in it this guy is 90 something years old wow Uh, and he came down and and showed me some cool stuff. He still, he still works. And, uh, he showed me some cool stuff. So I was basically making knives and doing cool, you know, little tools and I did some architectural stuff and some welding. And then one day, um, I just kind of put it away. Summer came around, you know, 2022. And I decided I'm going to go back and start making some handmade pipes again. And that's what I'm doing now. My my books are open. Uh, I, I will say unashamed, my prices are lower than they were before.
0: Whoa, the my love. has
3: changed. <laughs> Not that the mine were never exceptionally high, but they're very reasonable and and, and fair now. So, you know, with, with handmade like sandblast pipes, I think they're going for about three hundred. Um, which I think is fairly commensurate with my level experience and, and and all that. But, uh, I've, I've been getting egged on. I gotta be honest. Uh, my, my buddy Rob in Australia has been uh, very key to that. You know, him and Sean have been pretty key to that. And a few other things, you know, as far as motivation is concerned, it's good to have a, a tribe around you.
0: Yeah. So, let, so first of all, Rob is <laughs> Rob in Australia is everybody's buddy in Australia. And we, yeah. we need to get him back over here so that we can all terrorize him in person. Uh, of course. R- Rob, if you're listening, that that's a promise. Uh, let's talk about the, I mean, the, the podcast that you're doing with Sean, I jokingly called it, you know, Sean, the nice guy. And then Chris, um, uh, yeah it's it's really kind of you guys if i'm you know from the from the episodes i've heard it's it's you guys having you know just really personal therapy sessions with each other
3: yeah no it's actually no joke it's it, uh, it's replaced the need for me to even like uh i mean it it removes I'm trying to find the right way to describe it but it's essentially just you're going over to your friend's house, And you're cooking some burgers and drinking beers. And this is what you bullshit about. And I feel like there's not enough podcasts like that.
0: Yeah. No, I, I designed this show to be, uh, similar to the conversations you would hear at a pipe show. And your podcast is conversations that two guys that are at the same kind of stages in their lives are having centered around pipes.
3: Yeah, that's. I mean, be, being you know uh, Sean's wife, Rachel coined the phrase "beyond the pipe." Yeah, and you know, originally it was like, "What do we talk about?" It's like, "No, let's do this. We're going to talk about everything other than pipes." <laughs> but we're pipe guys, and we were trying to work work that out. And I'm like, you know, how are we going to do this? And how, what kind of guests will we have on? Like, let's have, you know, let's have, shit, uh, let's have Tom Eltang on, and we'll talk about you know, something completely different, like boating or, you know, something that he has <laughs> yeah. an interest in that has nothing to do with pipes. And it would just be kind of this like silly tongue in cheek kind of thing. But the more and more we talked about it, I mean, Sean and I have pretty active lives. We're busy guys. We have kids, you know, we have other interests, we have other businesses, you know, weird shit happens to us on like a fairly regular basis. And we'd like to talk about it because know, it's kind of fun.
0: Yeah. So it's, it, it's it's a uh, it's a treat to sit back and eavesdrop on you guys occasionally. Um, I appreciate that. And and sometimes I listen to it and I'm like, I'm falling asleep. But you know, yeah, I'm at a different sometimes stage. Sometimes boring. Yeah,
3: um, <laughs> it's, it's there's very little introspection into what pipe makers do and talk about because by and large we are fairly secretive folk. You know, trying to keep our secrets to ourselves like leprechauns. But I think a lot of this stuff, is it opens it up and it it makes the the field a little more personable, to me at least. So
0: that that brings up the next question that I have for you. Because you have continued at the the pipe world as your primary source of income. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a special characteristic that is needed to be a pipe maker. Uh, You need to be able to work long times without having any human interaction. Uh, You need to be self-motivated and you need to be highly detailed. So I would imagine that those are some of the reasons why we, you know, in the 10 years since you've been on the show before we started recording, we were talking about some of the names that have come and gone and yet we're still here.
3: Yeah. I mean, you and I are here for different reasons. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you tend to be on you know a little more on the the corporate side as opposed to, you know, me. I'm kind of just scrapping it together on a daily basis. But, um, <laughs> I, I mean, there's been a lot of a lot of changes in my life personally that I have um, had to make. Um, you know, before when we talked, mm-hmm. I was the kind of guy that would wake up at noon and work until five in the morning. You know, it was quiet. I could get my stuff done. Now I wake up at six and I go for a run and I come back and I work out seven days a week. Um, and it's put me in a completely different place. And I adopted that actually from Rob and Sean, both are super early morning overachievers. Um, but being able to do that, then, you know, I can get my whole day done, including shipping by usually like nine o'clock. And then the rest of the day, I can just make pipes, and I can focus on that for eight hours.
0: Make pipes, change um, diapers. Yeah, you
3: know. exactly. Yeah, and I mean, I'm—I would say I'm about a fifty percent, fifty percent dad uh, now. I'm kind of, you know, I'm—I'm I'm, I'm able to get a lot of work done, but then like my wife has a lot of stuff that she does. She works as well. So yeah, yeah, and it—it it leaves me to pursue other things. I mean. In that meantime, I, uh, I made pipes for the, the Amazon Prime series, the Underground Railroad. I did a consulting uh, position for them and also made all the pipes for that series. Um, I hey. worked really closely with Sutliff to release my own uh, tobaccos. So you can go and get those now at a couple of Joe's and tobacco pipes. Uh, my personal favorite is the Bayou Buck. Um, but you can check those out. I mean, what else I've been doing a lot of stuff, man. I, I have another business that I'm starting on the side. That's not within the industry. So I've been, I've been busy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So now the handmade pipe making is kind of a break and a rest for you to just kind of be artistic and quiet and do one pipe.
3: Exactly. It's, it's a, I need the creative outlet. Um, which is why I, you know, switched over to the knives for a while. Cause I was, that was my gung ho moment. I was like, Oh, this is cool. It's something new. I can, I can get into something that I'm going to suck at in the beginning. And I love that progression. I love learning stuff. Yeah. Um, and it, I think with pipes, I just kind of got to a point where I wasn't learning anything and now coming back to it with fresh eyes and uh briar that is, you know, aged five to six years longer. Um, I it's been, pretty sweet man my my style has changed uh i'm far more uh precise a lot faster which has kind of been fun like just knowing that i can do certain things in a different way because i've had to relearn certain things um and then sort of the camaraderie that that's garnered you know uh, i'm in a couple group chats where i'm one of maybe two pipe makers in the whole group and the rest of the guys are like collectors and it's always fun to weigh in with the pipe makers opinion so yeah. it's been cool
0: and i and, and it's got to be fun in those chats just to sit back and and listen and see what the collectors are talking about and then you 100%. get then you get a little bit of inspiration
3: yeah yeah and you get to try new stuff you know like there's always that one guy that wants the huge pipes and he collects the the big stuff and there's another guy that he collects the straight grains you're like oh shit maybe i can make something to like be interested in it or it motivates you to step outside your box and uh i don't know it's just i'm i'm just in a place now where you know i'm i don't know just progressing i I don't feel like i'm grinding anymore i can kind of take some time and and uh really put some serious effort and uh an interest into my craft so
0: well i want to ask you a question that you can grind on and it may be a hot button for you and some people but i want to ask it because you've got a unique perspective on this and you are the leading expert on your opinion and you're welcome to express your opinion freely here Um, as long as you use words that your daughters are okay to hear Um, in the in the past 10 years we've had a uh, i would call it an abundance of pipe makers who started doing a line of pipes. That was the next step down below their normal handmade. So, you know, maybe a, you know, a phrased shape with hand finishing and stuff. And then they'd bring it out in the hundred, hundred and $200 range instead of their normal three to 500 or whatever. Um, first of all, how did you feel about that? Cause that's kind of what you were doing with some of your stuff already, but not quite. And then, why weren't they? Why did a lot of them not catch on? What What are your thoughts? Uh,
3: There's, I mean, there's a lot of ways you could take that. Um, Certain brands, for me, it was a huge leap going from the handmade guy to the factory guy, and then for for the past you know five years, I've only been known as Chris Morgan Bones. Yeah. And so, making that gigantic transition, we'll call it down i think some people were claiming that uh, it was a race to the bottom i've seen that in a few conversations um
0: (laughs) after there was a race to the top with the influence of the new chinese market but we can talk about that later too maybe
3: yeah exactly and and the thing is as as someone that is like a lot of guys out there this is their side gig you know they make pipes they have fun they sell a pipe and they go back on monday to their job where they make you know six figures or Maybe they're you know a plumber or something, whatever, yeah, for guys like me that have invested one hundred percent of their effort into a business um, that really has no real world application outside of what they're currently specifically doing, um, you got to go where the money is, and there's in the research that I did trying to figure out what I was going to do with bones when we were coming up with the marketing strategy and and all that, not that it was all very technical, it's just, you know, on the fly stuff. I realized that the vast majority, and when I say vast, I'm talking 90% of the pipe smokers out there are not spending five, six, seven, eight hundred $800 on a pipe. Yep. The vast majority, I mean, you look at just the numbers, Missouri Meerschaum was moving a million cobs. Yep. (laughs) I mean, it (laughs) is, it's, It's insane how many pipes they make. That's the vast majority. Yeah. Uh, A close second would be, you know, your basket pipes. Now, most of your basket pipes are coming out of Italy, and most of them are coming from one to two particular factories. And they do the pink fills, and they do the, the lacquer dips, and all the stuff that I hate. How do I feel about other people having inexpensive lines? I think it's a good thing. Initially, I thought it was a little bit like, hey, man, step off because some guys are trying to match my price. Um, there are currently a few brands that are, that are actually using my shapes in Italy. Yeah. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, I'm using their stumbles. You know, (laughs) I, I was very graciously welcomed into that community and got to rub elbows virtually with some very big names, very legendary sort of names, uh, in Italy. And, who the hell am I to say like, yo, you can't do that. I don't care. I'll just make another shape. It's literally what I do. I design shapes and I make them. So, um, why do I think that they didn't continue? Um, when you're focusing on a larger group of people, and this has just been my own experience, Mm -hmm. you need to appeal to the vast majority of them. So any sort of specific detail work, like, hey, this pipe's really cool because it has this very specific stem. Most people don't care about that. They want something that they can say, hey, I got one of those. And they're like, oh, you got one of those? Yeah, I got one of those too. It's a, it becomes this like fraternal thing, um, which I had a lot of experience with when I was doing a lot of work in uh, Malaysia. Uh, tends to be, I'm sorry, no, Indonesia tends to be a really huge cult level of culture if one person gets something they show it off and a bunch of other people want it (laughs) and that the bones did exceptionally well there um it's still they still do well there but they were doing exceptionally well there so i don't know to answer your question i i think it's great when people do it especially in like the 150 fifty dollar range i think that's an excellent price point for a lot of brands, I shouldn't say brands, a lot of makers to be producing in if they're selling normally at like 700 bucks. But the cost evaluation on that is something else. Like I did a a line called the Raw Line a few years ago. Uh, This was a few years ago, shit. It was over 10 years ago now. (laughs) That (laughs) That was the precursor to Blackjack and it did not do well. It was it was a very simple. It was basically a handmade bones with a factory stem. So I make the pipe in house and I plug in a factory stem, um, and they didn't do well because people didn't want a factory stem. They wanted my stem work. They didn't want to pay two hundred bucks for, you know, I'll call it a knockoff, you right. know, with no finish. Blackjack did great, and it was damn near the same price that I was selling raw for. So, um,
2: go
0: figure.
3: <laughs> it, you never know you you never know what you're gonna hit on i mean there are pipe makers that are from my time we'll call it the, the boom time that are still selling for about the same price and they have all the business they could use and there's some guys that got to a point where the market just wasn't there to support them and they had to go find other means of occupation and that's just the normal way of things it could happen to me you know um
0: yeah yeah except now you've got a motivation of two extra mouths to feed.
3: I do and and I don't exactly live in, you know, a uh, low cost area. So yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, the discount area of the South Bay of uh, of of Northern California.
3: Yeah, Silicon Valley is is not the best yeah. place to be a pipe maker which is probably why the closest pipe maker to me is Ooh, up in the central valley i think where <laughs> yeah. home prices are not ridiculous yeah
0: <laughs> well chris we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind and for fun if anybody wants to you can go back to episode 35 and we'll compare what chris said but i didn't in advance so are you ready
3: Neither did I. let's go
0: what is your favorite pipe
3: my favorite pipe Pipe is one that I made for myself many years ago. Uh, it's a little Danish bent apple with a mil- bent egg with a military uh, stem.
0: And what is your favorite tobacco?
3: My favorite tobacco would, at the moment, because it changes, I would say Solani aged Burley Flake.
0: Ooh. What is your favorite drink?
3: Uh Daytime, a sparkling water. Nighttime, a cold IPA.
0: And when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music?
3: Um, over the past couple years, I got into listening to audiobooks quite a bit. Either that or uh, a movie or video games.
0: Or in your case, uh, reruns of Barney and Sesame Street. Um, no,
3: that's that's the daytime.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah and then finally uh your favorite pipe smoking related memory of the past almost ten years
3: um i was I was on a call with a bunch of guys, and I don't recall the joke I just remember the laugh and I was uh a friend of ours anthony yeah funny 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 guy um, made he made some joke, and I nearly choked it was it was i was smoking my hans landa um calabash from fikri baki that i got as a gift years ago this thing is massive and i damn near dropped the pipe which would have been (laughs) sad and i had a i had a sip of uh beer in my mouth and i i think i did spurt i think i spit it out all over the computer screen oh Um, that's probably the funniest pipe smoking memory but yeah that was a good time
0: It, it it didn't come out your nose did it
3: no but it kind of goes up in your sinuses and then just yeah. fizzles and it's just painful you
0: don't <laughs> want that uh so the uh so the website is morgan pipes m o r g a n pipes dot com uh the podcast is beyond the pipe it's available everywhere podcasts are correct yes sir and uh, and sean does a great job of putting that together for you
3: yeah yeah, you know, it's, he, he's sort of my, uh, my tech guy and yeah. he, I just like, he's better at it.
0: <laughs> he, he's the younger, smarter one.
3: <laughs> yes. That's what it, well, and he's, he's also, you know, he's the co-host. So he he pitches in and I pitch in and he, he's also, you know, Sean's a techie. He, he likes all that nerdy stuff. I just, I don't know. I can, I can work my uh, TV once in a while. That's about it.
0: Chris, thanks for coming on and the the best to you and your family for the holidays here.
3: Thanks a lot, Brian. Appreciate it.
0: We'll be back in just a minute.
4: For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr, worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Milafolge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be.
0: This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Check out everything Chris is doing. And I just realized this is show 535, and Chris was on number 35. So that was 500 shows ago, exactly 500. And I couldn't have planned that if I tried. All right, for holiday music, uh, Mike again, who sent in uh, the uh, the I Just Go Nuts at Christmas, uh, sent this one, and it's called the the Huron Carol. It's Canada's oldest Christmas song, written in 1643 by Jean de Bruff, a Jesuit minis- missionary at uh, Saint Marie uh, among the Huron Indians in Canada, and uh, this is. Um, this one's going to be fun because it's it's exactly the opposite style of our second piece, which I'll explain in a minute. But here is uh, the the Huron Carol. That is from a CD called A Noteworthy Christmas, and it's performed by the Exaltai Chamber Singers. Uh, yeah, just beautiful, classic chamber singing. The next song we have celebrates uh, diversity in music, and the email came in. It says, hey, Brian, first I wanted to congratulate you on a successful pipe show. I will hopefully be able to attend next year. I wanted to suggest a couple holiday songs. First is from a metalcore band called August Burns Red. I'm sure most of your listeners wouldn't care to hear their original music, but their Christmas albums are fun and instrumental. I love their rendition of Carol of the Bells. So this is from the album August Burns Red presents Sledden Hill, a holiday album. And I really like this. It's Carol of the Bells. August Burns Red presents uh, Sledden Hill. There's uh, 15 songs. I found it on Spotify. I'm sure you can too. And uh, thanks to uh, Kirk for sending that in. And uh, happy holidays to you and your family. Remember, if you have music suggestions, you can email them to me. And that email address is coming up.
3: You've got some mail.
0: And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email it directly to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at pipesmagazine.com. Or post on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com, just like Dino does every week. Uh, Going back two weeks ago, Dino says, Tim Beaumont's story of his love of woodworking was a great prelude to the amazing works of art that are his pipes. While Tim's freehands are just plain stunning, his artistic treatment of classic shapes is quite remarkable. A very interesting conversation indeed. Uh, The Roosevelt Jazz Band's Peanut Brittle Brigade was a wonderful performance of the Duke Ellington Billy Strayhorn reimagining of the Nutcracker. Good choice. See, I knew Dino would know the history. I knew it. Uh, And then Dino says, So your suggestion for a safer season of holiday purchasing were spot on. Linda and I were recent victims of a fraudulent bank account rape and found out from our banker that this is a uh, prime time for all kinds of bank and check fraud one of her suggestions was to use a special pen to prevent check washing uniball's 207 fraud proof pen is an excellent choice for writing checks thanks for another always entertaining show dino uh and i'll also add on to that that uh, a couple of folks in the area have reported that uh some of their mail was stolen out of their mailbox. The outgoing mail was stolen and the checks were washed and changed and cashed. So keep an eye on that too. And then Casey Ghost says it was a very good show. Really good recommendations on gifts. Pipe cleaners are a really thoughtful way to stuff a stocking. You can never have too many. Of the, of those, uh, your interview with Tim was very pleasant. His pipes are really pleasant to look at much to my surprise. I really did. I really enjoyed the Roosevelt jazz bands, peanut brittle brigade. I do admit that I found it a little long, but that is a mere quibble. Uh, you just can't be careful enough today. It seems someone, it seems someone is all, someone's always looking for the easy way to do things. Yeah. You ain't kidding. Uh, and then, uh, Bryant writes, Uh, Happy December, Brian. As always, this week's show was thoroughly enjoyable and over too soon. Thank you for some excellent ideas for Christmas gifts. I dutifully forward the list to the misses. Uh, Tim Beaumont was a great interview. His use of antlers is very different from others I have seen. And for a retirement hobby, he is truly a gifted craftsman. I hope to get one of his pipes before the game garnered from being on your show drives up the prices. <laughs> uh, the jazz take on a, on a classic like Nut, like the Nutcracker was certainly something I never considered. I guess that's why I drive a truck instead of writing music. It sounded weird in theory, but was very enjoyable in execution. Another good listener suggestion. I don't know how far you are willing to go outside the box for holiday music, but if you like Star Wars, may I suggest what can you get a Wookiee for Christmas? <laughs> and best regards bryant um that 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 star wars holiday special <laughs> makes me choke up in laughter every time i think about it because it was just so bad and then going back to uh, a cup, going back to last week's show with rich esserman dino says rich is as ever a welcomed guest Having him comment on inside Fred's head is going to be fun. This was an enjoyable opening segment, and I look forward to uh, further conversations on the topic. I got a big kick out of Mel Blanc's, Mel Blanc's song, which I haven't, <laughs> which I haven't that in years. Uh, Roy's arrangement of Angels was very innovative and jazzy. The mailbag catch-up was filled with interesting questions, comments, and reports. Thanks for sharing these communications. Prejudice is bad. Diversity is good. Amen. Thanks for another always entertaining show, Dino. You're welcome, Dino. And then Casey Ghost says as always this was a really entertaining show. Uh for some reason or another I can't get in uh, I can't get into Savinelli pipes or tobaccos. They really aren't my thing. Judging the reactions of my buds on the forums, I'm clearly on this lo- on the losing side of this argument. It's hard to follow any line of thought in Rich's, in Rich's opinion and those espoused in, a, in inside Fred's head, but it really doesn't matter as both argue their points cogently. I sort of enjoyed Mel Blanc's song. He is truly a master of all voices. Your second selection I found to be of higher musical quality than the first, but had to literally force myself to listen to all of it as it was a strict instrumental. Due to my tone deafness, I have a lot of trouble just sitting through them. (laughs) We'll see what he says about this week's stuff. Uh, And then we also have uh, Ben who says, Loving the podcast as a beginner. It's really helping me learn fast. Really love the convos with Rich especially. Thank you and happy holidays. Uh, The honky-tonk man says, I wish the shows were longer. But what Brian and Kevin put together every week is plenty. (laughs) Thanks. And then uh, Brian writes, uh, (laughs) episode 534 or the rich, the rich, the rich is back. Yeah. Uh, Greetings, Brian. Another great, interesting episode. What really stood out to me in your review of Savinelli Janus was actually your vast knowledge of tobaccos. It's very impressive that you can open a tin, smell it. And from that, say it's not Cornell and Deal, but rather Scandinavian Tobacco Group Tobacco. Uh, The way you talk about seeing the various component leaf in a blend is also quite beyond me. You definitely bring a lot of experience and subject matter expertise to the show, albeit in a quiet, unassuming way. And I'll interject here in a quiet and unassuming way. I was wrong because I talked to Jeremy Reeves and that's all their tobacco from the start to finish. So bravo to them. And I was wrong. Uh, Then Bryant goes on to say it was nice to hear Rich Esserman again as well. I'm looking forward to the resumption of the interview and the resolution of that cliffhanger with which you left us. Yes, Rich, Rich's many years of tobacco wisdom is always an interesting and informative part of the show. The two musical selections were great for me. Kevin was right on in calling Mel Blanc a genius. His song was very entertaining, and I, too, heard Speedy Gonzalez as I listened Uh, Just waiting for an Andala, 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 Arriba, Arriba. Okay, there we go. That's what he was writing to come out. Uh, As for the song by Fletch, the pipe-smoking dentist, son-in-law, Mr. Mendiola, I was heartily impressed by his talent in playing all the various ensemble parts that make up the score quite a feat. I will keep enjoying the holiday music as it comes our way. Thanks and have a great week, Bryant. You are Welcome. Uh, And uh, again, if you have comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a moment, rant time. Are the holidays and pipe collecting a grand tradition indeed? And there's no better place to celebrate a grand tradition than at tinbids.com, the pipe collector's auction site. Find that perfect gift for yourself or that special pipe collector on your list, or sell those tobaccos, pipes, and accessories to make room for those new Christmas arrivals. Your favorite things await you at TinBids.com, the pipe collector's auction site. Cheers and happy holidays from your friends at
2: TinBids.com. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Corn Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri.
0: story called don't be a dummy or some other four letter mixed word that you can add in there and this was inspired by a uh, exchange i saw in the men's room of the airport are you ready for this one so the uh, the airport's got a guy that works inside the men's room just to keep it fully cleaned and stocked all the time, and uh, apparently they were having problems with their uh, with their automatic soap dispensers. So they installed some temporary soap dispensers on the walls or permanent ones, whatever you want to call them. And the guy was just making sure that people knew not you know that there was soap on those dispensers that were right above the sinks. And the guy next to me turns to the guy working in the restroom after being told to use the soap dispenser on the wall and says you know somebody really ought to take those automatic ones out if they don't work well don't bitch at the guy in the in the men's room who's just helping you and telling you hey use that soap dispenser on the wall instead of the automatic ones that are fixed into the bowl Because he doesn't have anything to do with it. His job is to come in and make sure that the bathroom's clean and stocked. And if you complain to him, how far up the ladder do you think that's going to go? And this just reminded me of when I was working at the Disney store and we had a mask policy that was more restrictive than the regular than the rest of the city did. And people would complain to me about why do I got to wear a mask? Well, you know what? I, I don't. It's not my job. You know, if you have a complaint, contact the Walt Disney Company. Don't complain to me. I mean, that's basically it, because if you complain to me, it's not going to go anywhere. So for the holiday season, at least, you know, don't complain to the waiters and servers. Don't complain to the people in the stores that the prices are too high. They have nothing to do with it. If you have a problem with it, go sit down and drop an email later on to the company and, you know, tell them or the or the place or whatever. That's the way to get things done. Don't complain to the people that are just doing their jobs. All right. There you go. All right, remember, uh, new episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show come out every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Keep sharing them around all over the place. iTunes ratings and reviews, much appreciated. I know I've got two in there that I haven't read yet, so really do appreciate those. Uh, Thank you very much to Chris Morgan for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time.
2: About The clouds when we're together, just sing a song and think about sunny weather.
4: Happy Dragon
2: Badida, Badida, Till we meet again
1: Listening to this show is worse than eating figgy pudding.